welcome to the Brave Zone, the Brave webinars. And today we are going to talk about mindset shift from employee to entrepreneur. It's a great topic because I know that a lot of people are in need of this. What do you want to get out of this? Why are you here? Because I think that's very important when we're trying to start a learning process to understand why we're here. Uh, for some of you, entrepreneurship is a choice. It is something that you have always wanted and you do it because you want to do it. For some of us, it's not a choice and it's a have to for whatever reason. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about your reasons. You know, many people build a business because they love to. I remember I uh, my, my own experience is that I got stressed out working for corporates. I was working in the wee hours of the morning. I had um, emails going through calls at three o'clock in the morning simply because I was dealing with you know, Europe, America, and I was in Asia. At the time, it was quite impossible, but it wasn't their fault. It was actually me as well because I wanted, I was an achiever and I, I was kind of a workaholic. And over time, I also realized that being in the corporate world, I was just a little cog in a huge machine. There was very little things I can control. Yet, um, you know, sometimes you get a great boss, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get your proposals through and everything, and the regional team is fantastic. Sometimes you just have this really annoying person in the head office that just doesn't really care about anybody else except themselves. And what you're trying to do is a good for the company. They don't care. They just want to get their political agenda in place. So over time, I felt that corporate life turned me into somebody I didn't want to be. Someone and and I remember hanging out with my colleagues. Um, we always talked about complaining about the boss and everything. And and I had enough self awareness to know that that's not the type of conversations I'd like to get involved in. In the meantime, I know entrepreneurship was just starting up around me. Uh, gone were uh, gone was a time when everybody just went to school, get a great job in a big Fortune 500 company, and your your life was set. But I, I started um, understanding more and more about the choices and I felt like that was enough. You know, I felt like uh, I came to the point where I wanted to start my own business. But for other people, especially during this time, this is why I wanted to make this webinar about the mindset shift, about employee to entrepreneur. Many of you might have been is furloughed, perhaps, or many of you are have been laid off because of what's happened in corporate. And sometimes I wonder if entrepreneurship is even a choice because if you think about it, the cost of living is quite expensive now, right? Many families don't have the luxury of one spouse staying at home with the kids and another spouse making income. It is pretty much a double income uh, living right now. Uh, secondly, we have the medical research and science to help us live longer. Yay! That means if you are retiring at 65, 60, or, or, or 67, or whatever your retirement age in your country is, right? That means you have another 20 years, 30 years to live, and you've got to fund that with your pension. Pension used to be great, especially in Western developed countries. Um, I mean, it was never great in my country, but let's say in, in, in the UK or in Europe, it used to be great because there was so much of it. And you saw your parents having great pensions and being rich as they retire and they can buy a home, they can live comfortably, they can really retire. Whereas what we can expect because the population growth has been um, kind of smaller, right? People are not having five, six, four kids anymore. They're having one or none, right? That means the people who are paying for our pension is going to be less. Yet there's more and more people that's going to be older. So we have an aging population problem in many developed nations. And the problem with aging population is that the, your pension fund is going to be super small compared to what your parents or grandparents were. So again, so you've got people are living longer, cost of living is more expensive, and you've got also the uncertainty of corporate. It's almost like, is it? do you have certainty anymore if you join a Fortune 500 company? The, the thing is, you if you don't know how to make money on your own, right, you are always at the mercy of a big corporation who makes decisions in some invisible office somewhere in another nation, right? And suddenly 
X percent of your workforce, uh, X percent of your colleagues, including yourself, are furloughed or laid off. So I think whether or not after this coronavirus, after your furlough, after your layoff, whether or not you choose to go back to a corporate, whether or not you choose to work for somebody else, or whether you choose to have your own business, it doesn't matter what your status is. What we're going to talk about is a way of thinking, a way of seeing your life as if you are always an entrepreneur. To me, I think entrepreneurship is not about a status. It's not about a legal thing that you sign and you work for X company or a legal thing that you sign that you've registered at the, uh, uh, the business office to start your own business. That's not about that. Entrepreneurship is a mindset. In coaching entrepreneurs for the last 12 years and being an entrepreneur myself and also in working over the last 22 years, I realize there's a lot of employees that are very entrepreneurial. They go in there, they go in the office, they understand why they do what they do and they achieve and they find fulfillment in their own way. There's also employees, there's also entrepreneurs who think like employees. They are technically registered as an entrepreneur. They pay all these taxes as entrepreneurs. However, they think like employees. So they're still playing the employee game and that's why they struggle with growth. So today is not about your status. That's, what, that's your choice. But today I want to encourage you to put on an entrepreneurial mindset, whatever you do. Okay, let me stop talking a little bit about the topic. Let me talk a little bit myself. I don't know many of you in this call. It's been a great turnout, by the way, this webinar. I mean, people are just registering. There's a lot of people on this call, and there's a lot of people in registering that's hoping to get the recording as well. So I'm excited about this. I know this is a great topic because I know with the current situation, it's quite uncertain. I've lived with a lot of uncertainty. I come from a developing country called Indonesia, although I grew up in the States. Uh, so moving back to Indonesia was a, quite a big shock. You know, there's political instability, there's terrorist bombs. SARS epidemic was, I mean, small compared to what we're having now, but it did happen. Uh, our currency devalued um, over a couple of weeks from 7,500 rupiah to US dollar to 16,000 in a matter of weeks. Um, and I was selling imported products at the time, so we had to increase prices by 400 to 600%. I had, I had you know, um, safety, um, safety issues right outside my office. We had riots. I couldn't go home until at night. I had to weave through debris of fire and demonstrations and stuff like that. Um, but I am always grateful to have been, to have grown up in the work environment uh, with chaos, because I think with chaos, it gets you really resilient um, when uncertainty strikes. Uh, when I moved to Singapore, everything was so nice and everything was so structured. But I also found that if I wasn't careful, I could lose a bit of resilience because everything was so comfortable. So 20 years of business achievement in developing economies taught me how to be a despite person, not a because person. I'm not the type of people who say, well, I can't do this because. I try not to be that kind of person. If I catch myself doing that, I go get help or I read something or I set my mind straight again. I try to be a despite person. I will do this despite of anything else that's going on. You know, I, I will always try to uh, achieve my goal despite whatever's going on. Let's find a creative way to do it. You know, the coronavirus has taught us to be a despite person. And, and I think that's also the, the key thing, the key difference between an employee and entrepreneur. Employees have a lot of reasons why their projects don't get done. Employee, employee thinking, yeah, employee thinking, you are just a small cog in a big, huge machine. There's lots of people to blame. Entrepreneur, you, you are forced to be a despite person. You've got You've got your business to protect. You've got your staff to, to pay for. You've got, you know, your dreams to achieve. You need to achieve it despite of. So let's understand more about that difference as we go further. Uh, I have a psychology degree from UCLA. However, I learned a lot more about psychology, leadership, and everything when I did business and when I was involved in nonprofit organizations. Uh, my business skills come from uh, about 11 to well, 11 years in the Fortune 500 companies turning around um, uh, different types of divisions, different types of businesses, selling, marketing. That's where my businesses, um, my business skills come from. 
managing the PNL operations, etc. And then when I own my own business, obviously it's like I have to do everything. And I had the I was equipped with business coaching skills because that was the franchise I bought a business coaching franchise. Now I own two companies in Indonesia that's being run by my team. And uh, I've dabbled in book writing. I can't say I'm super good at it, but I have to say it gives me just, I just want to release the information. I want to share the information. So if you do want the finer distinctions between a good salesperson and a great salesperson, if you are an experienced salesperson who just wants to convert a little bit more and know the finer distinctions, go get my book in How to Make More Money in Sales, because it's not for basic salespeople. It's just for people who want that finer distinction. When I arrived in the UK, I thought, well, I wanted to amplify my impact by helping people get through the mental game of business. It's no longer about just business strategy, but it's about how you think. And a lot of people I see, a lot of companies, a lot of self-employed professionals, they are caught in the fear zone. They have an imposter syndrome. They don't believe about themselves. They have a dream, but there's something that limits them. Let's say an employee who wants to be an entrepreneur as well. They want to move on, but they're afraid, right? So what I do is I reignite that flame inside you and I help you find that strength that you can work with. And I find you help that your voice, your uniqueness, and I get you sharper business strategies so you can move out of the fear zone into your brave zone. So what I like to work with, what I like to niche is uh, on is the self-employed market. I do work with all kinds of businesses, obviously, but what I find is now is the time where self-employment sometimes is no longer a choice, okay? And with self-employment, it's interesting because typically self-employed people, especially in the service business, you sell yourself and you work by yourself. And having moved to the UK, I know that staff isn't cheap. Right. So you can't just go and hire three people in the first year or something. Um, I remember when I was coaching coaches in the UK, um, they said, oh, yeah, my target market is a business one million pound turnover. And I said, great. That's how many staff is that? It's like, oh, five. <laughs> wow. In Indonesia, it'd be like 10, 20 staff. You know, um, it's very slim. So it's very in- important for, for me to help you get to know your strengths and your role and your voice and how to put yourself into your business. Especially if you come from corporate, you've been contaminated by other people's vision, other people's culture, other people's rules, and you've never really been asked, what do you want? What do you stand for? It's just a rule book from HR and just say, here's the policies and procedures, go follow that. And you're like, okay, I'm a good employee, I'm following that. And then when you get into your own business, the first question you have to ask is, who am I and what do I stand for? What is this business about? What are you b- trying to build? And this is something that's often not clear, especially if you're not used to answering those kinds of questions. What is the essence of you? And what are the questions that you're afraid to often ask yourself? Right? So these are the types of projects that I like to work with. So today, we will cover a few things. Again, I want to describe more in depth about the difference between an employee way of thinking and business owners. Then let's discover some of the common mindset mistakes that will cost your business time and money. And this is the fun part. Well, it's not really fun, but I want you to know just how many roles you're juggling and how to leverage your time. So my objective through all this is to increase your likelihood uh, of success in your life and your work. Simply because I think if you can shift your thinking from employee to entrepreneur thinking, right, is it will affect all aspects of your life. You will feel that you are so much more in control of your life, your emotions, your moods, your, your, what you choose to do to fulfill yourselves. You will be a better role model for your kids and the people around you. You will be able to influence others, to coach others, to counsel others who are still experiencing difficulty in their lives. So it first starts with you. So let's get started. I will promise to you I will not be just a motivator, rah-rah. Let's talk real education. Let's talk real content today. Tough questions. You won't have to answer them in this chat, but um, I will leave you with tough questions. So I hope you have a pen and paper ready or some kind of gadget that you can take notes in because I... My guess is after this, you'd like to do a little bit of self-reflection. 
You will get strategies and uh, ways of thinking you can use immediately. Okay. And if you want to take the next step and you want to understand yourself, I'll show you how to do that later. So uh, at the end, so I've been, I've been getting feedback that my webinar is super content rich, it's fantastic. However, after one hour, everybody's kind of brain dead and saying, oh my God, there's just so much stuff. So what I've been trying to do in the last few webinars is have a little chat session at the end. So let's see if we can have a little, you know, 10, 15 minutes at the end to kind of have you tell me what value you got and answer any of your questions and maybe even have a little discussion of something. If you're in the UK, I know that at 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. today, we are having a moment of silence for the people who have been, um, you know, sacrificing themselves and working for the NHS and people who died. So I'm going to leave it a little bit early, like maybe I hope to finish by 10.55 so that you can prepare for that moment of silence. And I think that's a very important thing for us to respect the people who have been so helpful. Entrepreneurship and employee. It's not a status on paper. It is a way of thinking. And I'm going to apologize if every time I say employee, I'm going to paint a very negative picture of employee. Again, it's a way of thinking. And again, I want to say a lot of employee are good ones are, are thinking like entrepreneurs. That's why they're so good. But I've got to label this way of thinking of, in some ways. So I'm going to call it employee way of thinking. Okay. And so it, but I'm in no way saying that all employees are bad. Okay. Only employees who think like employees are bad. Okay. Or according to what I call employee thinking. Employee thinking is all about, I work for someone else. Whereas entrepreneurs is I work for myself and my family. Okay. I work for someone else means I never really think about what I want in my life. I work for someone else. I work for money. I work yeah, I follow, okay? Whereas entrepreneur is even though you are, you know, legally working for someone else on paper, in your heart, you work for yourself and your family. You work for yourself and your dreams if you don't have a family yet. When I was in uh, corporate, a lot of people noticed that difference in me. My follow-up was very good. I retained clients very well. Won a few awards about sales and profit achievements, etc. Why? Yes, it unfortunately made me a bit of a workaholic, but I loved what I did. I love learning about things. I love my and my best my best proof of learning is achieving. I love helping my clients because they're my clients. I take that ownership. And when people ask me, "What do you? Why do you work?" Of course. The money is great. The bonus is great. But at the same time, I work so I can grow. I have that personal dream. For me, my dreams is to be the best version of myself before I die. So I grow. I love growing. And every time I face a challenge, it's like, ooh, opportunity to grow, right? So I was working for myself at that time and my dreams of personal growth. Working for someone else, sometimes I do above and beyond. Why? Because their targets are just way too small. I want to do more. I want to prove to myself I can do more. And it showed. That's why I tried to resign a few times because I wanted to try something else. And they always kept me back. Every 18 months, I would ask for a different type of role. I went from technician, so you know, service technician, fixing machines and everything, because we were in an industrial kind of company. After, I, well, I actually did eight months of that and I went to corporate sales because I wanted to learn how to sell in the office, not service machines in the, in the, in the back. And I excelled in that one and a half years, corporate sales award out of 138 countries. Um, then I said, right, I, I know how to do sales. Now I want to do marketing because if I understand what comes before sales, I could, I could be a better businesswoman. So I became, they offered me a job as a um, uh, marketing manager for the Southeast Asia region and then the East Asia region. So 11 countries in total. And I was helping them implement different kinds of new programs so that they can sell better. Because I came from sales and technician, I understood the field. And then um, after sales, marketing, technical, and then I said, all right, I want to know how to run a PNL. I want to know how to fix a, a big 
business problems. So I volunteered myself to fix a division that was dying in, in a different country. So I went to that country, fixed it up for 18 months. You know, the business got awards, the team, as a team, we won sales and profit award. It's doing well. Then I challenged myself to do the same thing for a company that had been losing profits for five years. And this time it wasn't a product business because all this time I was in the product business and I wanted to know what it felt like to sell services and intangible, you know? So I went to do pest control and, and, um, and, and that was a totally service business, learning how to deal with people, how to, I mean, your product was basically people. The amount of chemicals you use in pest control is very minimal. So it was all about a people business. And I enjoyed it. It was like high profits. It was, it was a headache, but you didn't have, um, you know, product failures because it was just, it was just, we, we didn't really count on the product. So I learned a lot of that. And so every 18 months, every 18 months, I just kept trying new things. And of course, my benchmark for myself is I've got to meet the numbers. I've got to meet the results. And then I can say that I've learned. <laughs> I can say that I've done it. You know, I can't just say, oh, I've learned. And then uh, I'm bored now. Let's keep going. No, I have to achieve. So that's the difference. Whereas someone who is working for someone else tends to just follow. They don't, they don't have clarity about why they do what they do. Whereas an entrepreneur has real clear clarity about why they do what they do. As a result, because they don't have clarity, employee thinking people who work for someone else, they're good at following. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, it's all about you set your own target. And that target could be higher than the target that your company set for you. And of course, if you are an entrepreneur, legally an entrepreneur, you know this, nobody, you have no boss. You, nobody's setting targets for you. So you have to set your own target. An employee gets a rule book, follow the company culture, 12 points of culture, whatever it is, right? An entrepreneur, you set your own culture. What am I all about? What do I stand for? What are my business values? Okay, so that's something you have to think about yourself. Employee tends to be reactive. This is employee thinking, yeah? A lot of employees are good, but the, the really like challenged ones, they tend to be reactive. You tell me what to do, I do it. There's a problem, I solve it. There's no anticipation. There's no forward thinking. Whereas entrepreneurs are very good at being proactive, anticipating. Okay, It's probably also because entrepreneurs take time to learn outside of working hours. Uh, they have that hunger to learn, whereas employees will read a book if they are told to, right? So employee thinking is all about, I will be reactive even about my own self-development. Oh, I'm furloughed. Okay, I've got nothing to do. What do I do? I'll go play on my gadget. Instead of, if, you're, if you are, have an entrepreneurial thinking in you, you use this furlough time, you're getting paid 80% for not doing anything. Go pick up a course. Go pick up, go do something. Go deliver food or something like that. So do something if you really need the money. And many of you are here in this webinar that shows that a bit of you have that entrepreneurial thinking already. So that's a good use of your time. Employees are bound by titles and roles. Oh, that's not my job. Oh, it's not my title. Therefore, I can't do this. Whereas entrepreneur is bound by your mission and purpose. I remember a time where I, I was this little, you know, Southeast Asia in my days of running the marketing team in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia in the annual report of my Fortune 500 company at that time was called the rest of the world. And this is literally, I'm in Singapore, one of the biggest economies in Southeast Asia, and they called us the rest of the world. Of course, if you compare to Latin America, the US, EMEA, we're nothing. But at that time, that was how insignificant we were, even in our corporate, um, in our corporate head office. But we had a problem, you see, being insignificant. Product introductions was so, new product introductions was, took so long. It, it took six to nine months to change a color of one of our products. The problem with that is sometimes the color makes a whole lot of difference when you're trying to compete. 
The smell of the product, we were selling laundry detergents. The smell of the, you know, people want smell in Asia, whereas in the US, laundry chemicals and everything in Europe, you don't want smell. Smell means it's not properly clean. In Asia, we like the flowery smell, the jasmine smell, the, the whatever smell, because that feels like, oh, our laundries are clean. It's a different way of thinking. But because we were an American company, we had to follow by American way of thinking. And I said, that's my team on the field. Are, are losing, is losing sales and losing market share because we don't have the right smell. And that's ridiculous. It take, you want me to wait six to nine months? So I fought this through. I went beyond my title, my role, my authority, and I fought this through. And I remember I had a business trip to um, uh, Minnesota, which is, you know, uh, in the United States. And the operations team was so annoyed at me because I was going, I wasn't minding my own business. So the vice president of operations for the entire world, he was an Italian guy, he must've been from the South of Italy. He really sounded like the godfather. But anyway, he took me out for a really nice steak um, uh, lunch with his Asia vice president, who was more relevant to my, my region. Basically to tell me off, basically to tell me to just mind my own business. He says, you know, Cynthia, you don't understand how it works. You know, you don't understand. You come from cells. You don't understand the vibrations. La, 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 la. Why don't you just mind your own business? And I was like, this steak is really good. And I just kept eating because I just like, you don't understand sales. You don't understand how we meet numbers. Okay. You don't understand the, the culture. I didn't say that. I didn't have to say that. I didn't care because I knew at that point I did not have the communication skills to speak. I was like 26 and he was like 55, almost 60 probably. Um, and I just didn't understand how to work with them. To be honest, I could have been better, but that's just my entrepreneurial thinking. It's like, I'm just going to get this done. I don't care what my titles and my roles is. I have a need in my, my, my part of the world and these people can meet my needs. A few weeks later, with all the little battles going over emails and everything like that, we got our six to nine month process reduced to six weeks. Why? Because I showed them we have technical expertise in our region. Why is it that we have to go all the way to St. Paul, Minnesota to get this done? So can certain things be handled by our region? It was the creative way of thinking rather than just following the rules. It was done. We can change colors in six weeks. Okay, so this is some of the ideas. I'm not saying this to impress you, but to impress upon you that when you're thinking like an entrepreneur, even if you work for a Fortune 500 company that regards you as the rest of the world, you can get things done. That's the difference. Employee thinking, you invest your money, you invest your time to get money. We say, we sell ourselves, whatever your salary is. Let's say your salary is 5,000 pounds or 2,000 pounds a month, right? You sell your eight hours a day or sometimes 10 or 12 hours a day, a little bit of weekends. You sell your time for that salary. You're telling your company, my time is worth less than 2,000 pounds a month. Therefore, I will take 2,000 pounds a month and I'll give you that time. My time is worth less than 2,000 pounds a month. Therefore, I will accept the salary of 2,000 pounds because I value my time less than that. So don't ever complain about your salary. You have accepted that your time is worth less than that because that's, the, that's how exchange works, right? You, you accept a value that is greater than what you're giving away and you think that's fair. Whereas if you think about an entrepreneur, you invest money to get more time. I value my time more than 2,000 pounds to do this certain task. Therefore, I will hire an employee, pay them 2,000 pounds so that I can get them to do this stuff for me. Or I will outsource this to a consultant, pay them 2,000 pounds a month so that I don't have to do this. See, I value my time more than 2,000 pounds, so I value my money less than my time, so I will give my money away so that I can get something I value more, which is time. This is a huge difference way of thinking, so don't ever complain about your salary because you've accepted that. And actually, if you think about it, your company, a company that hires an employee values your time more than you do. 
Okay, so this is just a different way of thinking. When you're an employee way of thinking, when you have an employee way of thinking, you're thinking, I'm part of this team. When you're an entrepreneur, you build a team. Okay. And um, one of our business mentors, his name is Brad Sugars. He owns a company that I bought into, which is Action Coaches, is a business coaching company. He um, told us a story when he was a salesperson. He was maybe about 20 years old. He got a job as a salesperson and he built a team even though he wasn't supposed to. I mean, he didn't have any headcount. He, from his salary, he hired uh, an, a secretary to make all his appointments for him and do all his admin and his paperwork and sit at his desk. Because at that time, he was working for three companies, okay, as a salesperson. And because he was relieved of all that admin stuff, because he had his secretary, he can get three different commissions, okay? And he was a very productive salesperson because he didn't have to do all the sales, uh, the admin stuff. So, uh, of course, his colleagues complain. It's like, why does he get to have a secretary? He says, he's not using any company's money. He's paying his own sell, uh, uh, secretary to, to do his job. So basically, even as an employee, he had an entrepreneurial mindset. He built a team. He outsourced all his stuff so that he could be more effective in what he did best, which is selling. Okay. So it was, it's brilliant. It's, again, it's a total mindset. It's nothing to do with what you sign on paper. Employee way of thinking. There's always a reason. When there's a failure, oh, it's that person's fault or the regional office's fault. It's the headquarters' fault. It's the coronavirus' fault. There's always a reason. Entrepreneur way of thinking is I am the reason. The buck stops with you. I mean, there's really nothing else. Even if coronavirus hits, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's a very serious thing. Um, but, you know, on my last webinar, you can, you can see it on my YouTube channel. It's called 10 Ways to Crisis Proof Your Business. And what we started with was this whole concept of why, what have we learned about this as business people? Why can't our business be more crisis proof? And for some of you, it's because the government said you should shut it down and there's really nothing you can do about it, okay? But in as much as the coronavirus is to be blamed for a lot of things, right, and, how, and it is serious, there's probably, if you really took the time to investigate more and introspect more about your business, you could probably find five or six things that you could have done better to um, crisis-proof for next time. Okay, it's too late to think about it this time. For next time, for instance, I know that some companies still in 2020 have a belief that meetings are not effective unless it's done face-to-face. -face. That's out the door now, okay? And I don't know what's going to happen after lockdown is lifted because it's slowly, slowly getting lifted now. Will they ever be comfortable meeting around a tight boardroom? They'll probably start with masks. <laughs> um, Many of them don't have a contingency plan. They have plan A, but they don't have plan B. Okay, uh, so maybe now what we've learned is every time you make a plan A, you've got to have a plan B. Many people don't have enough cash reserves. Okay, so at the time when the virus locked everything down, they only maybe had about six weeks of cash. Whereas some businesses are very good at making sure they're cash rich. Okay, so... Uh, a lot of people are switching probably from revenue and profit thinking into cash. There's three different things, revenue, profit, cash, totally different ways of making it work in your business. And if you don't understand business finance and all you do is just sell, sell, sell and be good at what you do, you're at risk of not being crisis proof when another crisis comes in. So again, business finance, if you don't understand business finance, you're not crisis proof. You're probably not making wise enough decisions with regards to your cash strategies, things like that. There's a, in that webinar, we talk about things about finance, things about team, things about marketing and clients. So go and watch that for more. Um, but basically, this is a, a way that I want to express that as an entrepreneur, even when things like this happen, you are still the reason why your business will bounce back or why your business cannot bounce back. It is the way you do it. Just around our area, we live in Bath. Uh, restaurants have been closed. One of the favorite restaurants up on the hills um, is called the Circus Restaurant. Great food. When you come to Bath, around between the circle and, would uh, be between the Circus and the Royal Crescent, there's a nice restaurant called the Circus Restaurant, owned by a wonderful gentleman, run by his kids. 
When he, uh, coronavirus um, struck, of course, he had to close the restaurant. Until today, he is still doing food deliveries, vegetable boxes. He's still open to accept. So he turned his restaurant into a bit of a fresh produce shop. Okay, so at first, I think he was just clearing up his fridge. Okay, we sell vegetables and flour and everything like that, and eggs, you know, and people bought it because, you know, the supermarket was, was basically empty. But over time, he just kept doing it. And now I think he's got three vans around Bath just delivering things. And you can argue that, oh, I can't do anything because my restaurant's been closed. But you are the reason why you have or don't have any creative uh, ideas. So what he did, what Jeffrey did, was basically he turned his whole business model in a different way. And I know a lot of food and beverage places have done that. In Ireland, I was watching on BBC uh, News the other day in Ireland, you know, uh, when, when the food and beverage outlets were, sh were made to shut, if you recall, it was around the middle of March, close to St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, beer drinking day, a lot of people, a lot of pubs have been stocking up on beer, Guinness, especially Guinness, etc. Now, the problem with kegs of beer, even though they're in a sealed keg, they have an expiry date of a few months. And yeah, I mean, I guess in June or September, you can open up the keg and try to drink it, but it just doesn't taste the same. Especially Guinness, you want something, you know, the taste is really important. Well, any beer, if you can argue that. So a week ago, I think it was last week, and I'm sure the British people on this call would remember, there was a, a bit of news on, the, on, on TV that some Irish pub that's got like 300 liters of Guinness stored and is going to expire very soon, decided to make a vehicle. Uh, it's hard to describe, but it's basically make a vehicle where they would have Guinness on the tap. They would door to door and knock on the door and ask, do you want Guinness? And then they say, yes, okay. So fresh out of the tap Guinness and it's still fresh because it's only been a month or so. And, and they, will, they will serve it on this Guinness tray and it will just leave it at your door. You take your glasses, they'll take the tray back and then go to the next house. And it's absolutely genius. Unfortunately, they have an alcohol license problem because they say, uh, you know, the government says, well, you had the alcohol license for your pub, but not for your little van. I don't know. He was just trying to keep his employees working. He was just trying to turn over a bit of money. I, but I mean, in concept, forget all the legal stuff. In concept, I think that was great. You know, I think that was really creative. And I wouldn't be surprised that if that concept stayed um, after the coronavirus, because if you think about it, uh, it will take time for people to be comfortable to go out drinking in a stuffy pub, you know, without social distancing. You can't really get cozy with like two meters apart. And, you know, if you understand British pubs or Irish pubs, they're quite close and they're quite small. So I don't know. I think that's genius. But that's about thinking like an entrepreneur. There's always a reason why you can't do business. But it's all up to you. I am the reason. Okay. I remember when SARS hit, we were not allowed to go see our customers, not even talk to our customers. The problem is SARS was kind of, at least for my region at the time, the first shock, you know, like, oh, my God, there's a, um, I guess if you're from Africa, you have Ebola and everything like that. But SARS in 2001, it was like, what do you mean? The economy just shut down. I mean, hotels went from 95% occupancy to zero occupancy in overnight. And people were so um, not used to cleaning <laughs> the right way, if you say. So my whole client base were hotels at the time, and they were so busy cleaning, right? Because now they realized just how important hygiene was. I, they didn't have time to talk to me, build relationships, say hi, or anything like that. So my rapport building relationship, my usual relationship building route was uh, shut. I couldn't, I couldn't see my clients. I couldn't meet my clients. And they were busy. But at the same time, my fear was, after this is over, they've lost profits. They've lost sales. My chemicals are very expensive. Will they go to a competitor? So I've got to still build relationships. I've got to add value, you know, even though I'm not technically allowed to see them. So what I did was I used to um, 
right safety hints. This is what I call safety hints. How to wash your hands. You know the happy birthday twice? In 2001, I was already writing articles about singing happy birthday twice, and this is how you wash your hands for 20 seconds. I was talking about cleaning surfaces, cleaning air, anything like that, keeping yourself healthy. And I faxed them. Yes, fax, 2001. We didn't have WhatsApp chat. We had fax. I faxed them to every one of my clients. And when uh, the epidemic ended and we could see our clients again. I remember walking down the back uh, of the house of uh, the hotel, one of the biggest hotels I was serving. And I saw my safety hints being on the bulletin board. And I said, Mark, you know, he was uh, uh, the head chef at the time. I said, you, you, uh, you put up the safety hints. He's like, yeah, every time we got that, that fax from you, it was so good. It was so simple. It was one page and we put it up there. And of course my, my company's logo was up there as well. And, and that was why we, you know, we're really grateful for you for doing that. I didn't make any money for, for writing that, but what I, what happened was I kept all my clients. Um, and that was just worth it for me. And that's the reason why they stayed with me was because I kept adding value. Right. So entrepreneurial thinking, I am the reason why I'm successful. I am the reason why my company is successful. My, my, I have no other people to blame, not including, including pandemics, okay? So that way of thinking will free you from a lot of stress, actually. I think a lot of stress comes from feeling out of control, feeling like I can't control the situation. The great thing about entrepreneur thinking, in my opinion, is that when you set that for yourself, you can control a lot of things. Yeah, but it starts with taking that ownership. You know, I think the some of the stressful things, and when I coach top executives and banks and insurance companies, things like that, with their stress because there's so much of it they can't control. And um, it's about giving back that power to you. And I always ask them, well, what can you control? I know there's lots of things you can't control. What can you control? And when they are reset to that way of thinking, they find two or three things that they can do better, that two or three ways they can be a better leader. And uh, sometimes that's all you can do. Mindset comes from understanding your identity iceberg. That switch from, okay, so how do you switch from employee thinking to entrepreneur thinking? You know, on the left with this lady on the laptop here, that's what my representation of what entrepreneurial thinking it is. It is if it is to be, it is up to me. Whereas on the right, I, I put a, a picture of, you know, people clapping in top executive clothes. That's how I represent employee thinking. So, you know, it's all about when you want to switch, right? It's all about understanding that you are basically an iceberg, the results, the behaviors, the actions you do is on top of this, the water. People can see that, right? But the reason you behave a certain way, the reason why you make certain decisions is because of your set of skills. Employee way of thinking comes also because you don't expand your skills. All you do and all you know is that operational skill that you've been working on. You don't expand yourself. You don't develop yourself to understand other types of skills. Um, you behave a certain way because you believe a cer certain things. Employee way of thinking could be you believe that you are not in control. You believe that you, are, you cannot be creative. You believe that you're restricted with your roles and your positions you believe that it is not up to you to, to make that change. And if you want to switch that, it's as simple as switching your beliefs and saying, I believe I can make that change. I believe I am empowered. I, I believe I believe I by somebody else. I'm not working for them. I am working for my own personal growth. Okay. Values. The important thing about employees, the, the, the values, values are things that you regard as important. Employee way of thinking, sometimes they value following. They value other pleasing others. They value being part of a crowd, not standing out, right? Um, they value following the rules, right? Whereas entrepreneurship thinking, you value success. You value your own dreams. You value your time, okay? And, um, and, and this is something that is different. The identity, of course, I am an employee versus I am an entrepreneur. Again, despite all your legal status, it's very interesting to see a lot of entrepreneurs actually think like employees. That's why their growth is quite stagnant.
Okay, they wait instead of they do something about it. And it also is that iceberg of yours is shaped by your environment. If you, one of the things I had to switch when I um, formed my own company, even though it was a franchise, so technically it wasn't really pure entrepreneurship. I had a system to follow and everything. But I did detach myself for some of, from some of my um, employee friends. Uh, remember I told you some coffee conversation, drink conversations are all about complaining. Thankfully, I was quite self-aware at that time to realize that's not the right environment for me. A lot of it also was like, we get money, we've got lots, we've got a big salary and then we spend it on drinks. You know, <laughs> we got uh, a huge day ahead of us, but we stay out late in a pub and we come home at one and try to kind of function at 8 a.m. again, you know, and we'll do that repeatedly. That's not a healthy environment for me. And um, I decided to get out of that, not because I didn't love my friends. I, I'm, I'm actually back in that environment. And I enjoy them in a different way. And we've all kind of grown up anyway, so we're a little bit more mature. But at that time, I left that environment because I wasn't strong enough to change myself when I was in it. It wasn't their fault. It was just being them. And they are loving people. They're lovely people. And that's why I'm still friends with them now. But I had to pause, you know, and it was like I disappeared for a while and I kind of found my myself and I hung out with different kinds of people only to find that I one day I'll go back and I'll be a stronger me, you know, and then I can participate and enjoy their friendship. But not but I've already found myself. You know, so it was very interesting that when I came back, it was a bit awkward at the time. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to go back and and be that kind of person again. But I realized it was all when I changed from within, you know, I could handle it in a different way. And to be fair, I saw that they were just loving people with a different kind of lifestyle. And they didn't they weren't experiencing the stress that I was experiencing at the same time. And they became such a great support group for me later in life. So it was, it was just interesting how your environment, sometimes you have to limit yourself from certain types of people that shape your iceberg in a certain way. You know, um, that's why you, let's say you don't, you don't hang out with role models that frequently, you can always hang out with them in audiobooks, YouTube videos, um, books that you read physically, um, and any way you choose to learn podcasts, you can always hang out. There's so much. I mean, who do you want to learn from? Who who do you admire in terms of their entrepreneurial mindset? Google them. They'll have some kind of educational material somewhere. And that's how you shape it. You know, again, we have been gifted with this lockdown, with the um, the, with the gift of time. The question is, how are you using it? Okay, and if you're using it to to just do nothing, um, then then that's why when you when you come out when you come out of this lockdown, my question is: Will you be more entrepreneurial in your thinking? Will you be a better person, or will you just be the same person minus two months? Will you have just lost two months of your life? Okay, and it's not always about reading success stories about work. For some of you, it's all about regaining your family life, regaining your life balance, regaining your health. Will you be a better person? Okay. And this is my challenge for you. Fortunately or unfortunately, the lockdown isn't going to last for much longer. My guess is by May, the government will have decided that the economy can't just be frozen. So they'll start lifting and lifting and lifting. We've all got to be conscious of it. But we've all got to be careful so that we don't have reinfections. Travel bans may not be lifted, but it's going to start changing, right? The question is, you've got this much time left. You've got a week, couple weeks. You know, it's, if you haven't already started to become a better person or to learn or to develop yourself, if you haven't used your time wisely, do it now. You don't have much time in lockdown left, in my opinion, okay? So, and when everything opens up again, it'll be different. Business will never be the same. This is, this is quite, this has been quite a dramatic change in the way we look at things. Gosh, 10.50 already. <laughs> you see, this is what happens. All right, this is what happens when I'm passionate. So we may not have time for chats, but anyway, I love you all. Eight common mistakes that delay your growth. Mindset mistakes. Number one, fear. Why is it so important for you to move out from the fear zone to the brave zone? Fear of making decision has been the cause for a lot of business 
mistakes. Fear of making addition, going around and around in circles, trying to get everybody's approval, where at the same time, your competitor is just going very quickly, okay? And this is, you know, just make a darn decision, even if it's the wrong one, either you win or you learn, right? But it's that fear of making decision that sometimes delay your growth. Blaming others, it's, it's, you know, blaming others is the fear way of saying, you don't have to change, you don't have to grow, let's find a finger, let's find, you know, point your finger at somebody, find someone to point a finger on, you know, that is your fear saying, I don't want you to grow, I don't want you to change. You know, fear is just trying to keep you safe. And sometimes not changing is very safe, isn't it? So let's blame others. But that be, because of that, you don't change, you don't grow, you don't know how to do it better next time. And that's why your growth is stagnant. The need for certainty. I think certainty is quite a myth, isn't it? Change is the only constant and all those buzz phrases, but it's true. I mean, we have learned so much about uncertainty. You know, are we still in the lockdown next week or not? I'm not sure. Okay, are we going to be allowed to do this or not? Not sure. Will we still have flour in the supermarket or not? Not sure. Okay, will we still have, we, we tried to get eggs in the supermarket yesterday. There were no eggs. I was like, what is this, panic buying again? You know, I... It was fine for a couple of weeks, but now no more eggs. It's uncertainty. So we just have to live with no eggs. I mean, that's fine. You know, so the need for certainty is almost a myth, you know, when it comes to living real life. And again, it's coming out of fear. Being in the wrong network, you know, surrounding yourself with the wrong people, you know, will delay your growth. Fear of investing. Okay, again, Entrepreneurial thinking, you value your time more than you value your money. Now, I'm not saying go invest in stupid things. I'm thinking like when you have a dream that's big enough. Right now, I've got a very big dream. I've always wanted to do it. For 12 years, I've built a business coaching firm that is top ranked in the world, but I was always growing my firm for the sake of having clients for other coaches. I have six coaches that I have to feed. Moving to the UK the last nine months, 10 months, whatever month we're on, I realized this is my time to grow myself. You know, I've always had that potential in me. So I've just invested in a huge marketing project for me. And that is more than what my business is generating at this point. And I said, you know what? I'm going to invest the resources because that person's got the skills and has got the experience that I don't have and I can't be bothered to learn, right? It's going to go and I'm going to accelerate much faster if I invest money into it rather than trying to, be cheap and do it myself. So that's going to make me grow. But sometimes it's that whole, oh, I'm cheap. I can just do it myself. Oh, I can't justify that right now. I can do it myself. And that goes long and long. Of course, you have to balance your family needs as well as your business needs. I think you know that part. I'm just saying that sometimes you know also that sometimes you have the money, but you're keeping it for yourself because you're thinking, you know, uh, I'm not going to invest it in my own growth. What you're basically saying is that, my success is not worth that investment. Okay, so you got to understand what's worth, what's worth it for you. You know, I know that I work with people um, on their marketing, on their message, and I charge them a certain money. And at first, I was, it was difficult for them to make that decision because a lot of people that I work with are still in the growth phase, okay? And some of them are even in the startup phase. They just wanted to be self-employed. But after two sessions, they said, I can't believe you've done all that in two sessions. And I said, yep. I work really fast, right? And is it, is it worth it? It's like, definitely. Okay, so again, you can go and do it yourself or you can spend four hours with me and get it done. You know, which one's faster? Okay, so it's, it's all about finding the experts for the things you want as well. Lack of general business knowledge. It's a mindset of not wanting to learn general business knowledge, being so comfortable. Let's say I was always a salesman and a salesman and a salesman and a salesman. I didn't grow myself. I wouldn't understand finance. I wouldn't understand operations. I'd be too specialized to be an entrepreneur. You know, so entrepreneurial mindset is also a generalized business knowledge. You need to understand all that. Lack of planning and structure and systems, you know, thinking, oh, I'm so good. Entrepreneurs are just off the cuff. No, great entrepreneurs plan. Great entrepreneurs know how to structure things. Okay, so these are some of the common mistakes. And personal distractions, not having that space. Despite the lockdown, I've been working from nine to five. Sometimes I give myself a break. I go for a longer walk with my partner and I say, okay, I'm going to end at three today or I'm going to start at 11 today because we want to take a longer walk in the morning. But personal distractions. It's so important, as you know, to have a structure, even if you're working from home, okay? And this is what needs to happen.
I want to go through the latter part. Now we'll spend at least five minutes on this, but you know, this is your roles of multiple functions that you have to remember. I don't care how small or how large your company is. Okay. And especially, I don't even care if you don't have a company, right? Everybody has the same organizational structure. So let's say I am a, you know, I, I have a coaching company, the Brave Zone. It's me, myself, and I. I don't have any employees at this point. I have some people I outsource things to. But I realize that I am an owner. I am the general manager of my company. And unless I outsource this, there's always an admin function. Like I've got to do my VAT returns after this. This is my job for, for the day. And I've got to, after this call, I've got to do some admin, send you guys some emails, you know, that's admin, you know, and I've got to do this and that. Okay. I've got to organize things. There's always an admin role, however big or small your company is. There's always a marketing role, however big or small. Marketing is lead generation. And it could be about public relations. It could be letting the community out there know what you do, adding value to the community, getting your name out there. There's always that function. There's always some kind of lead generation role, whether you're doing a strategic alliance with a partner or whether you're making an ad somewhere or whether you are, you know, networking or whether you're doing stuff that's, you know, joining a community so you'll be more known. Marketing is always there whether or not you have staff to do it. There's always a sales function in every company, no matter how big and small. You have the sales manager who is the strategist of how to sell, what's the script, how are we, what's the sales funnel, and then there's the executor, which is the sales executive. And if you don't have two people, guess what? It's you, all right? So it's all you. There's always an operations function, no matter how big or small your company is. That's your operations manager. Okay, and, and again, we don't have anyone that's you too. And there's always about delivery of your promise. So let's say you're a graphic designer. You know, the operations manager is thinking about how, what is a strategy for delivery? The operations staff is the executor. And if you don't have anyone, guess what? It's you, right? And then there's always that purchasing function. What do I need to purchase for my, for, to enable me to deliver? people manager, HR, whatever it is. And, you know, if you don't have anyone, obviously it's you that you have to manage, right? It's you, um, your data and however that's, that's registered. Of course, that doesn't mean anything if you don't have anybody working for you. You don't have to recruit, fine. But if you want to recruit outsource staff, that's you too. Um, and people development is how you develop yourself, how you make sure you have time for self-development, that's you. And there's always a finance function in every organization, okay? It could be about bookkeeping. If you're still doing it yourself, that's you. Um, finance manager is also the person who is analyzing your finance on a top level. You're manage, you know, making sure that your PL is healthy, you don't have anyone that's you. And then, of course, there's all this um, other things that you have to do, like tax, um, like, um, you know, admin stuff. Okay, that's all you. So the whole point of this, okay, is that this structure exists, whether or not you are a one-man show or one-woman show, or whether you have a team of 20 people, okay? The question is, which one are you good at? Which one you should... Which one should you focus on to get the most impact for your business? And which one should you leverage or hire people for? That's the question that you decide, okay? I've decided that the marketing function is right now the stuff that I'm going to leverage out. Very soon, it's going to be very leveraged out. Sales for my type of industry and delivery, which is operations, is not something I can delegate. It's me. Recruitment of outsourcing partners and in the future people, I will recruit staff, is me, okay, at this point. But I might get some help from outsourced people. Finance, I've got my accountant, okay, I've got all my accountant doing all that, okay. So I've decided finance was the first thing I, I vented out, although tax is still at this point me, only because for the first round, I'd like to learn how this works. Tax is always something that I never really understood. And I realized that it's also because I had a great finance team back home. And that's always something that somebody did for me. And it's not that complicated to do it for a one-man show now. And I want to do it at least for the first 12-month cycle. Don't be surprised if I will uh, hand it off later. I just want to end with this because I... Uh, 
want to make sure that despite everything that you are going through, the credit belongs to you who are actually in the arena, in the ring. The face, your face who is marred with dust and sweat fighting for your dreams, who strives valiantly, who errs and may fall and fall again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. So you will get criticized, you will get mocked, you will get, you will, people think you're different. But as Theodore Roosevelt says, you know, forget all those. They're not experiencing what you're experiencing. You are in your brave zone, and that's what you need to look at. So I encourage you to step out from your fear zone and into your brave zone. And if you want to work with me, if you want to understand, if you want to take actions to confront your own shackling perceptions of yourself, come talk to me. If you want clarity on your purpose and sharpen your business, sharpen your message, we can always talk. And I do want to offer at the end of this a free Brave Discovery session, 30 minutes, absolutely no obligations, completely confidential to talk about what is it that you don't see. Let's say some of you want to go into your own business. You want to have a better message for yourself. Uh, you want to understand your unique selling point. You want to understand some of your limiting beliefs. That could be a session that you want to register for. Just click thebravezone.com and then book a discovery session and you'll see my time schedule over there. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure serving you and I hope to see you in the next webinar. Bye-bye now.